Welcome to Spotlight On, a new series produced by Excel, where we examine the technology shaping our world through conversations with the people building it. All right, well, welcome to Spotlight On. I'm Pete Clark, your host. I'm here with Dan Sturman, who is the CTO of Roblox. So a couple of things, I guess. We'll say, Dan, who are you? And then also, more importantly, what is Roblox? Well, I'm thrilled to be here with you today, Pete. Just a little bit about myself. Um, I've had a fairly unusual path to where I am at Roblox. I started my career as a researcher at IBM, did a number of jobs there over the course of a decade. I moved on to Google, where I worked on large-scale systems, um, then joined Cloudera, which is where you and I originally met, right? Where I was the head of engineering there, and Cloudera, in case folks aren't aware, built um, big data software, kind of coined the term big data at the time. And um, now I'm at Roblox, which, and, and Roblox is just looks like a very, very kind of different take, but it was for me just bringing all these things together. What Roblox is, it's a immersive 3D platform that is social for people to build 3D experiences. So you could think things like games, you can think concerts, you can think now brand experiences, anything where you're trying to kind of model the world. That The term that, of course, everyone has floated around this is metaverse. Yeah. But we think that's a very broad and not very specific and kind of confusing term. So we just say what it is, which is 3D, immersive, interactive experiences. And it's brought together like all the stuff I've been doing in my career from kind of very systems oriented because we are a large scale out infrastructure provider. It's how all these experiences right. run to... Um, kind of a consumer focus and building development tools for our creators um, to now bring in incredible technology um, around AI. And of course, underneath all this is graphics. And that was part of the attraction of my joining was hmm. I got to go do something completely new. And the graphics yeah. part was absolutely that, right? So um, it's a really broad-based platform where we have a community of users who come and enjoy experiences, but most importantly, uh, a uh, community of creators who are the ones who bring everything to the platform. Roblox itself does not create any content. Hmm. We just provide the platform and this incredible community of creators come, build things out, and users come and enjoy and interact with each other. Everything we do, and I think this is important, is in is in service of enabling enabling our users, our creators, to be more successful on the platform. It's a fantastic place to be, yeah, and cool. um, we've been doing a lot of cool stuff over the past four years. It's kind of a full circle moment for us with Spotlight On. So when we had the idea for creating some content, sort of a, a blog post that we dubbed Spotlight On, and we thought we'd interview sort of great leaders around different topics, and Dan, you were the first person um, that we interviewed. You know, the number of times people come back to me with questions about what we did there and um, because that was all about hiring, yeah. if you recall. And so that I think was one of the, the best things I ever did. Like yeah. people seem to really appreciate it and learn from it, which is... Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and we still point people to that. So shameless plug, the blog post is still up. It was a three-part series and it's just some timeless content. It probably started a little bit with just sort of how you've thought about it at Roblox, um, just sort of the impact of AI, sort of how you looked at um, just, you know, where this is going, what it means to the business and where you've leveraged it. First of all, Roblox has been doing AI in one form or another for a while, and and in some cases in very obvious places. So, for example, collaborative filtering on which of the millions of experiences we recommend to any given user. But an area that's really been deep has been in how we think about safety and civility on the platform. You really just cannot do that at scale 
without a lot of automation assist on whether it's text and text filtering or content understanding, that's been central to our approach there, where we use a mix of human-based moderation, but strongly assisted by AI. But what's happened in the past, I guess maybe it's been 18 months, two years, right? An explosion with very large models right. and, and the capabilities there. Um, really, I think are, are something that Roblox is very well positioned to take advantage of, and, and we are, we're leaning in. The two main places where that is impacting us is with, um, first of all, helping creators create faster, better, higher fidelity. And then the second big one continues to be in the safety area. The the ability for these models to better understand content of all types allows us to do new things that maybe safety concerns would have prevented us from doing before um, and do them well and do them at scale. So um, it's very exciting journey for us on on both those fronts. And we've done some stuff I think is pretty cool and innovative. And maybe we can talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Well, maybe even on the trust and safety side, um, just I think when you get into the world of user-generated content or allowing creators on a platform, um, obviously trying to sort of give them the freedom to express what they want to, but then at the same time, make sure it's a, a safe place for everyone. So how do you think about that just in terms of any unique aspects to some of the technology or tools you're using for that? Yeah, well, I think first it starts with our approach to safety, which I think is a little bit different than some companies. Um, because Roblox started as a platform for kids, we've always had in our core this belief that safety and civility, age-appropriate safety and civility, was incredibly important, was a must-do with any product release. So then that leads you to you're building a great product, you have a new capability, you have to be designing the safety systems hand-in-hand. And I'll give you a great example of this on something we just launched that I'm very excited about. Um, For probably about a year, year and a half, we've been looking at how do we bring real-time voice onto the platform. Mm -hmm. Rather than just typing messages and doing text, we realized users wanted to be able to talk to each other on platform. And because it's Roblox and it's 3D, that voice should be spatial so I can whisper in your ear and someone else might not hear it, you know, but I can shout more focus. It has to be real to the 3D world. But when you do all that, you have to think about how are you going to moderate this? And about last December, um, we were looking at this problem and saying, look, the the original approach we thought we had, which would be mostly human-leaning with um, cues from users, was just not working with our pilots. It wasn't giving us the level of civility we wanted on the platform. And this is a 13-plus feature, by the way. So even for that audience, um, this was something where we, we knew we had to do better. And so we sat down and we said, okay, we need to build automation that can, in real time, understand speech and understand whether it's toxic or not, in what categories it's toxic, and do it at a fairly um, high accuracy level, right? Uh, Precision recall had to be good. So um, that was back in December. It was a problem that we didn't think had been solved. The approaches that had been taken at that point were kind of, they were very slow. They tended to involve speech to text, text into a text filter, you know, and some result out. And that just wasn't going to work at the volumes we had, and at the um, performance we wanted. Fast forward today, we have rolled out in English a real-time voice moderator that today will give you a slight push, a slight nudge if you're not talking appropriately on the platform. They'll say, wait a sec, maybe you need to think about the guidelines and what you're saying. 
right? And we found this has an incredibly positive impact on users just doing that. Of course, the same system can give cues to places we need humans to moderate. It can generate automatic abuse reports. There's lots of applications for this. As uh, precision and accuracy go up, we can make this more and more automated. But even this first touch has dramatically improved the, the role that we currently have in English with voice. And what's exciting about it is it is direct voice to action and classification. And what's been really useful about that is there's so much implied in your tone of voice yeah. about how you're behaving. And when you do the old approach, you just lose all of that. So yeah. we feel very good about these results. We're currently looking how we expand this to other languages, how we can continue to improve the accuracy. Um, and it's a program we feel very proud of. It's been very successful so far. Yeah. Digging into that a little bit on the sort of accuracy and around language models, and that always seems to be the big challenge in AI today. But just as you think about some of the things that you're looking for um, you know, with this application, what are you using for data? Like, what's where's the underlying data coming from? Is that from Roblox itself, or you know, how are you training right. the models? I guess we use a mix of um, what we consider kind of properly sourced open source models, okay. where we know where the data is coming from, and then almost always with refinement based on Roblox data. Got it. Um, in this case, of course, we had moderation examples, both from text and the ability to generate synthetic data using AI models to create synthetic voice data. And those models are kind of crazy. I've yeah. heard, <laughs> I've heard how we're kind of able to translate some, uh, you know, offending statements into teenager. It's really kind of amazing to see the models <laughs> do this. Um, I would try to imitate it here, but I just wouldn't do it justice. <laughs> but it's hilarious, um, but also incredibly accurate. And then also, of course, the moderation decisions we're already making on the platform can go into these moderation models. And we have so much of that. We have a really rich, unique set of data on the platform from all of this that enables us to build models that really work. Oh, that's cool. Actually, that translate teenager for parents might be an interesting other application. That's, for that, that's right? right. You could speak in your phone and your kids might actually understand what you're saying. Are you right? insulting me? Uh, yeah. All right. Got it. Very cool. Um, yeah, backs up again, personal curiosity, but just thinking about the demographics, the age groups on what is the sort of range um, in terms of the typical Roblox user, or I guess the variety of that, or the most engaged users on Roblox. What does that look like? Right. So right now, um, we've Roblox has really aged up, has has gotten a much broader demographic. Um, our fastest growing demographic is 17 to 24. Doesn't mean we don't still have a lot of enthusiastic younger players on the platform. We, of course, have a fast and, and quickly growing uh, 25 plus group oh, wow. on the platform. Okay. But um, we're really seeing incredible traction in 17 to 24. Um, and we kind of have you know, the, the gamut from, from younger all the way up, which is why civility is so important yeah. to us and having age-specific civility. We re just released, for example, just a few months ago, 17-plus experiences on Roblox it, that you have to be uh, ID verified, 17 okay. or older, in order to go enjoy them. But um, a lot of our creators went right to that, whether it's, you know, a slightly more graphic video game um, or something else with more of an adult theme that's totally possible on the platform at this point and has loyal followings. Yeah. So it's okay. really broadened a lot. Um, yeah. and, and we saw that just over the past few years. I think COVID contributed to that in part. People are looking for a new way to engage with each other. And we've embraced that and look for ways to enable all of those communities to come together, right? And, yeah. And 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 enjoy 3D interactive social experiences. Are the brands engaging themselves? Like, do they put out, um, you know, I guess, the digital versions of things that they have available or coming available? Do they actually take creator input and 
you know, design things around that? Have you seen any sort of interplay so, like that? Um, there's been a few examples of this. The brands primarily um, have started with this, like just trying to build their brand experience onto the platform in a 3D place where you couldn't interact with their products. Yeah. Uh, Gucci Gardens launched a few years ago, and that was just a huge hit where they were selling, you know, special limited Gucci items that their fans were excited about. Huh. Um, but the the cross between real world, physical world, and um, virtual is definitely there. Um the, the Parsons School in New York did a whole design cool. class okay. where they translated um, real-world concepts into on Roblox digital designs. I was fortunate at our late, latest uh, Roblox Developers Conference to hang out with some of the folks who ran that program. And it's just really incredible how like the whole concept of digital design is becoming like a form of its own. Yeah. So you really could start to see all the stuff starting to take off. One of the questions we definitely hear a lot or when we're working with founders just on, you know, where is this talent going to be coming from? Or if I need talent or folks that are experts in certain areas that are new or emerging, where do I find them? Uh, I'm just curious how much or how you've gone about that as you built out the teams just around a lot of the new generative AI work that you're doing, a lot of the platform stuff that's sort of changed with the release of this technology. Right. So I think it kind of backs up and this conveys actually some of the things you and I, you know, wrote about in the blog post um, way back. But we start kind of from first principles on talent. Like we are independent of discipline, looking for folks who are incredibly creative, very strong problem solvers, self-actuated, driven, right? And I think that is probably the high order bit on everything we recruit for. Then you can say, okay, well, what particular technical skills do we need you to yeah. find? And look, there, there's a huge demand for AI talent but there's also quite a few folks who've been attracted to that space and are available and are out there. And I think it's just really a matter of telling people why working with your platform is so incredibly interesting, yeah. right? And we've done so many cool things with AI. We're finding that as attractive yeah. folks. We have opportunities to, like I mentioned, the voice data. Right, right. Most folks aren't working with that. It's a new opportunity to do something new and and groundbreaking in that sort of environment. Um, and that's been our, our key. You know, when we did the blog post, one of the things we, we spoke about was this whole idea of don't have too long a list yep. of requirements <laughs> or you're just going to end up with kind of mediocre across the board. Yeah. And we really believe that at Roblox. We focus in core on like the capabilities we want. And yes, some core technical capabilities are a core part of that. Yeah. But we try not to broaden that uh, too much, whether we're looking for a new college grad or whether we're um, looking for a senior executive. Yeah. Right. Now, an interesting thing we have done, just to talk, touch on that since I mentioned new college grads, um, to operate at scale, we purchased a company a few years ago called Embellis okay. to help us build a verifiable, accurate online assessment huh. for, for all employees, but starting with new college grads. And we've had incredible success with that. Today, this assessment is done in Roblox. It's generally oh, a problem-solving cool. okay. sort of activity. Yeah. Um, it allows us to open up our assessment to anyone at any university. So we are not, no longer limited by where we have enough recruiters to send to different schools. Yeah. Um, we have a Roblox Career Center online in Roblox that I have given talks to students okay. uh, that we've invited, but from all sorts of different schools, not all the ones we would be able to, to visit, yeah. right? Not all the That's usual great. suspects, as they might say, right. um, where they therefore can hear a talk on where Roblox is going from a technology point of view, ask me questions in real time, hear my answers, and so on. So I think the ability to apply 
Roblox and tooling built around Roblox as a way to better recruit. Yeah. We're absolutely living that with, with our new college grads. And it, it's proving very successful. It's really allowed us to hone in on folks who are incredibly talented without getting fixated on, fixated on the name of the school, the GPA, all that sort of stuff that are normally like things that kind of lead to a yeah. more narrow pigeonholed sort of recruit. Yeah. Well, I think that's yeah, often been the complaint, just, uh, you know, you kind of go where you're used to going, right? And you can end right. up with a very non-diverse team. Very non-diverse. Um, yeah, it may appear even from the outside to be somewhat diverse, but just the thinking, like everyone's sort of, yeah, it's a bit more group think, right? It's not as diversified as you'd like. So Some of the strongest technical contributors to Roblox came to us directly out of the community, no schooling, et cetera, right? That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. yeah. So do and you guys leverage that as a creator platform, right? Is there We, like we do. I mean, we, we are cautious about it. Yeah. We don't want to steal great community right. <laughs> creators out of our community. Yeah. But some folks, this is the way they want to go and we yeah. want to be there for them. And um, when I think through the folks who have joined us that way, that it's just such an incredibly high performing group of people yeah. who have such, they just have rockets on their back from a career point of view and they're yeah. doing incredible things every well, just an unfair advantage, right, too, I guess, of seeing the passion they've already got as they're on right. a platform, building things, you know, and then to be able to see if they're capable from a technical And likewise, we're a mission they're excited about, yeah. right? Yeah. And we know that and they know that. So yeah. they're excited to become be part of it. So it works both ways. Yeah. Just some of the specific tools, too. It seems like, uh, and I was tinkering a little bit, can't say I'm good at it, but uh, was just messing with some of the generative AI capabilities that right. you guys have um, built out. So as you look at some of those things, what are, you know, some of the more exciting ones that you're interested in, or I guess kind of releasing to the world. So last March, we released two tools, we released a material creator and uh, coding assist. Okay. Coding assist is a little bit easier to explain. Yeah, so yeah, I'll yeah. start there. Coding assist is um, like copilot, but it's, its purpose is for Lua coding in Roblox. Cool. And just like I mentioned with the voice, we've trained that both on kind of open source models, but then, also, um, you know, retraining on open source code we have on our platform. And I keep saying open source. We've been very careful with our own creators to make sure they opt in right, right. on anything we use yeah. when we do this. But even then, we have, first of all, our community is incredibly passionate about making everyone better. So we've had a lot of code volunteered, a lot of open source code that we've been able to use in that regard. But it really has sped up coding on the platform. Yeah. Uh, we find folks using it are about 2x as productive in how quickly they build code oh, out wow. as as those who are not. Then I'll talk about material genre. This is this really I think enabled something that was out of the reach of most people before. Yeah. So um, about a year before that, we released a new sort of um, material graphics. Anyone in in graphics or gaming will know this. They're called physically based rendering right, materials, right. PBR, right? I know that. Um, <laughs> and they're the way they kind of work is rather than just having, let's say, one bit image that's kind of like a color map, you kind of have multiple layers that talk about how the material should interact with light in the environment. Oh, very cool. Okay. Yeah. So an experienced, skilled creator can go build any of their own PBR materials. You can find them on the web for download and so on. But it was really, let's say it was totally out of my ability to go build one of those. I'm yeah. not an expert with these tools. We launched a generative tool where you can type something like hot bubbly lava and get a bunch of examples and refine. And I can now go build, anyone can go build a PBR material um, 
that's exactly what we want. Whether it's, you know, a pink metallic for a car you're building, um, whether it's the gleam on a sword with a, a realistic metal color, oh, wow. um, or that lava example I gave, it's it's really very, very straightforward to do something that used to be require extreme technical skill and therefore would probably not be done to now in the hands of almost any creator out there. Very cool. Well, continuing down that path a little bit too. So as you think about, I think a lot of what's being brought up today around AI is you think, you know, code assists or suddenly now I can generate things that I might not otherwise have been able to do. You know, what does that do to the folks, say, writing code or those creators or designers who were originally kind of coming up with that content? How do you see sort of the generative AI um, tools sort of impacting what people do or how they do it or, you know, guess the big question, right? What does it do to people's jobs? Um, If you think about that. I actually think what it's going to do for creators is going to unleash them. It's, um, I view what's going on with generative AI not in any way a replacement for creative spark or creative ingenuity, but it just takes a lot of the drudgery and mundane tasks and moves them out of the way so you can create faster. And increasingly what it'll mean is the success of a creator will be about that spark, that idea that they have. Um, And then our job is to provide the tool so when they have that idea, they can move as fast as reasonably possible in bringing it to life and being able to iterate on it and so on. So um, I'm incredibly bullish on this. I I sometimes liken it to, imagine you're a farmer and you have a brace of oxen, you can have a tractor. (laughs) Like you're gonna be a better farmer with the tractor. Let's just admit it, right? Yeah. So um, that's what I view these creative tools as. And that's how we're going about designing them. It's it's not as a replacement for, it's an accelerant for. And that's our entire philosophy around this. As we bring in Roblox Studio, which in case folks listening don't know, that's our development toolkit um, for folks to download and use. Um, or eventually probably we will enable third-party tools to, to, to interface directly with Roblox. We're opening up all our APIs so that becomes more possible. So you might build an incredible for Roblox car building AI someday and be able to plug it directly into Roblox. But I just view this all as accelerant. It also opens a new sort of creator to the platform. Right. I expect where we'll go is in a sense, if you are a really sharp AI builder, you can build a specialized tool that then other creators can use. And we'll give you yeah. ways to monetize that and, and connect with creators as well. So part of our goal always is bring every sort of creator onto the platform. And there's a way to bring yet another sort of creator onto the platform. So I'm extremely excited and bullish on what um, generative AI means for creators on Roblox. I think it's just going to open an incredible age of even more fantastic creations. Yeah, I agree. I think we're in that phase, right? It just is a new tool or something becomes available, right? The sort of initial fear of what does that mean for me if, if it's sort of directly impacting what I do, but then ultimately, you know, where the value comes from, it's just the right. creative side, right? And look, we've seen that with every major step in technology. Yeah. People initially worry and then we find, then we think, how did we live right. without this, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I, I think we're going to find ourselves in this in the same place there. Yeah. When going back four years, as you think about... Uh, you know, what brought you to Roblox, what you liked about it. What are, what's one of the biggest surprises, I guess, you know, from today or something that you just didn't see coming or maybe that's everything. Yeah, but <laughs> I guess when I joined, I definitely believe there could be this broader vision and into out of games, into all these other different ways yeah. to interact. But I don't think I was creative enough on all the different ways that could end up going and how incredibly fantastic our creator community is to work with. Yeah. Right. So um, now to admit, um, we, we just did RDC um, 
about a month ago, less than a month ago. So I'm coming off the high of hanging out with all <laughs> those creators. Um, it was just a fantastic community. And they're, the ways they're taking the platform is just magical. And I, I think I had some inkling of that at a very kind of almost superficial level when I joined. Yeah. And that's been the biggest like surprise and incredible upside since I joined. What's been the growth of that, um, the conference of developer community in the last four years? I'd be curious. It seems like you'd have a mix of folks that are thinking about it from a tools perspective all the way through the creator side. But um. we, it's, it's really exploded. I think the biggest difference that I've seen over the past four years is really the advent of kind of dedicated studios, companies oh, aimed wow. at building okay. on the platform, you know, that involve um, tens to maybe 100 people like, you know, working together to build Roblox content, sometimes their own ideas, but sometimes also we mentioned the brands, working with things like brands to build out content. Yeah. So um, a lot of them started by people who were just started as Roblox creators back in the day. So, um, and some are others who see the community and decide to step in and build a company around it. So I think that's been the the most um, notable change I've, I've seen. Um, our communities of creators is aging up along with yeah. you know, the, the users, which makes logical sense. Right. Yeah. And, and some of the stories are incredible. There, there's like one creator is, um, their family that just build together, like as a business, oh, wow. right. You know, very so cool. like, okay. yeah, there's, there's just folks from all types who have approached it. I think they find it very accessible, very entrepreneurial. Yeah. Um, one of the great things about Roblox is it requires no capital to get started right. really. Right. Because we provide all the compute services, we provide all the tools, all the stuff. It requires your own time. And therefore it's, it, there's relatively low friction if you're good at this to yeah. just kind of build and build and build. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. But like, I guess any creator, right. I think there's always what seems like this sort of instant, you know, like I, I built this thing and now I'm a, you know, a YouTube celebrity or whatever. Exactly. It's like, it's, most of those folks put in right. a significant amount of time and effort too, just to go and build that brand and that platform. So that's another relatively new addition I never would have expected, which is the the role of how much influencers have yeah. gotten involved with Roblox. Right, yeah. that's that's a world I'm not terribly familiar with, but um, now they're a notable portion of the folks who attend RDC and a community that's just fantastic to engage with. Yeah. Another interesting thing that where this is going, and we've just started on this path, but the idea that everyone can be a creator on a platform that we yeah. blur using and creating with what we're calling inexperienced creation, where more and more you'll be able to um, just create from within experience. We've already seen this with um, some kind of artistic oriented experiences where they're able to create things in the experience and save it back onto the platform, make it part of their avatar. Um, we're doing some work right now with photo to avatar creation, oh, where okay. in experience you'd be able to use AI to generate a fully featured functional AI that looks the way you want it to based on a photo, possibly a text prompt as well. So imagine we wanted Dan looking like the Joker, for right. example, right? And you'd be able to build that automatically and with it fully rigged and skinned avatars that you don't have to worry about all the technical complexity huh. behind that. And that means things like your eyes will blink, your mouth will smile, um, your eyebrows will move okay. all in response to your, your voice and your facial expression off your camera. And the creator doesn't have to know how to build any of this. It just kind of happens. What wow. they know is they want Dan as the Joker or, right. or, or whatever it is, right? In the style they want um, with the, the image they want, right? So we're very excited about that. That's something we're probably going to be launching in the next few months. Oh, very cool. And okay. But it starts to open this door where 
everyone is a creator. Yeah. So we expect to go from avatars to arbitrary 3D creation, um, another very hard open AI problem. Particularly when you take into account 3D creation Roblox means it has to be kind of physically real. A car has right. to have moving tires and a steering wheel, not just an image of a car, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so all that stuff is going to make, it makes it really interesting from a scientific engineering point of view, but also incredibly exciting about what it can mean for everyone on the platform. You know, the audience for Excel is a lot of founders starting early things. Um, you know, I would say that building teams is probably kind of the the most talked about thing, right? The top of mind thing, the thing that keeps people up at night. Um, but as you just think back to um, even your experience scaling Roblox, right? And then even how we're sort of adapting to new technologies, what AI means to people today, but you know, what advice would you have uh, for a founder, say thinking about just strategically, how do I um, put the right things in place to scale a team? Any sort of higher level advice and, and anything that might be sort of change now based on just where technology is going? You know, first of all, full disclosure, I've never been in their shoes. Right. I, I have a lot of friends who are founders. I do advising, of course, but uh, it is tough to be a founder. It, it's like nothing else. And I really respect everything they do. I think the bit of advice I can give them, things that have worked for me as I've built up teams are first and foremost, and this is the hardest thing, don't be in a rush to close right. any rack. <laughs> yes, you got to make steady progress. It's really hard when yeah. like you've got a timeline your company's got to build on. But that is where I think hiring mistakes happen. Like hold out for the right individual. Yeah. Right. A key part that goes hand in hand with that though is really thinking hard about what is the right individual. Yeah. And I've seen people make that mistake time and time again where they have some idealized version of what an incredible engineer might be or a great head of marketing or something like that. And I think you got to get real with yourself about what are they going to do? What do you need them to do for you? And what sort of person do you want them to be? Um, I don't think it's ever too early to be thinking about culture and what your company really stands for and be honest with yourself of how you operate as a founder. Yeah. Um, and I've seen folks think they can get to that once they are no longer going to die, you know, like once they know right. they're coming success. <laughs> and by that point, you've scaled enough, it's really, really hard to set yeah. the culture tone you want to set, yeah. right? And some of the founders I've seen who I think are building the best companies have thought very deeply about what sort of people they're building it with, not just like what the product is. Yeah. Um, so if you have those two things, I think you're in really good shape by and large in that you know what you want your company to be. You've really honed the what are we looking for. Probably coming out of those, okay, now how am I going to figure that out when I talk to someone for an hour or a few hours, usually over Zoom these days or whatever, right? It's a little bit, I always try to do in-person interviews now whenever I can. I yeah. feel I get so much more of a read off someone in person than I do over any electronic device. Yeah, for sure. Um, but um, those what I'd recommend. And again, don't be in too much of a rush. Like yeah. when I have an important rack, like probably the, the last VP of engineering I hired um, at Roblox most recently, um, I set out with that search being a year plus search and it took about that long and I did not rush myself. And I met a lot of folks who were just not the right fit for me or the team or the company, yeah. even though they were incredibly accomplished individuals. Right. Yep. And then, you know, we were able to find the right person and that, that was great. Yeah. Right. So um, don't be in too much of a rush. Yeah. I don't need that. No, I think patience is key. And I know, obviously, uh, as investors, I think there's often a push to move faster. Right. But I think, yeah, for sure, when it comes to hiring, right, doing the right thing, often more important than doing the quick thing. So uh, it also ties to look, 
with the war for AI talent, it yeah. is hard. Yeah. Right. It is absolutely hard. It's even hard for Roblox to find the right people sometimes. It's even harder when you're a startup no one's heard of. Yeah. But this goes back to being patient. Um, when you find someone who is incredibly lit up by what you're trying to build, yeah. you're going to find it's a lot easier to recruit them. Yeah. Right. And um, I think that's an important thing. Start in your recruiting process by making sure they're excited about what you're doing. Or maybe they're just never going to be excited about what you're doing. And then it doesn't matter how good they are. Right. They're probably not going to prepare a company. Yeah. Yeah. And if they are excited about what you're doing, I think you can find it's a lot easier to bring them in. And it might take a little bit longer to find someone with that criteria that they're excited about what you're doing. Yeah. Right. But you know founders, they are nothing if not enthusiastic about the product they are building, the, the system they are building. And so that's usually infectious. So you will find that person. And once you do that, then it's just a matter of testing the other parts and making sure they're a good fit from the skills you need to have, the cultural capabilities you need to have. But once you've got them hooked on your company, you've got that time. Yeah. And is it that just like the fit and the raw intelligence that you would use? I guess where I'm going with the question is more, how do you optimize around, say, a new technology where there's not a large pool of expertise, right? So what do you look for in the sense of, okay, if there's not five years, 10 years of experience with say generative AI, then, you know, what are the core skill sets that you look for? That, what would you recommend? I, I think you can never go wrong with smart and humble people. Yeah. Like I think they can get a lot done. And um, there'll be many times in a career, I know in my career, you have to be self-taught. You have to be a lifelong learner, right? And I think hiring people like that, particularly into a small company, which you don't know what your company is going to look like a year or two yeah. years from now, makes a ton of sense. And so one of the things I always look for, Roblox always looks for, is just overall, is this person have the drive and the creativity and in some degree, the intellectual horsepower to do whatever we need them to do? Yeah. There are times where it's great. Yes, you want to layer on the particular skills. But if that's where you start, then I think you're going to find yourself very limited right. as soon as you take a left turn. You know, I was talking to a manager candidate the other day. He was talking about a challenge they had where they hired someone who just wanted to program in one programming language. And then like they needed to change their project and this right. all of a sudden was an issue, <laughs> right? Yeah. I was kind of like, oh, that probably wasn't the best hiring move to make in the first place, yeah. right? And you, you, I find the best people, particularly in a small environment where you got to move fast, is um, people who just generally have a lot of curiosity yeah. and drive. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, we've seen that happen where oftentimes you compromise, you know, for the expertise, right, on something else and you end up with often a poor cultural fit, right? It's like, well, you know, I think I'll take that person because they're very good at this, even if, you know, ultimately it might not be a great fit That's and right. it just doesn't work out. So. Now, to be fair, with AI, depending on what you're doing, if you're really in a in a company where you need to drive the limits of artificial intelligence, you need people who have probably the breadth of, you know, theoretical knowledge behind right. that. But I think that's different from, has this person exactly worked on this problem before? Right. Yeah. Um, and I think it's challenging enough if you just say, look, I want someone who's just very strong in the fundamentals of AI. You've narrowed your search quite a bit already. Yeah. And I would look then for other characteristics on top of that rather than, oh, they built exactly the model I want right. to build somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. So how quickly can they learn? How quickly can they adapt to things? So, that's right. Got it. Got it. All right. Um, yeah, more on the... I guess, topic of AI as you think about um, just what are the things that would keep you up at night around that? Just uh, the concerns, the questions, you know, I mean, I think you can get into a lot of different topics around this subject just um, as it comes to all kinds of things, you know, really in terms of what we do with it, how it's applied, 
when will the robots come back from the future? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think at least at Roblox, we're fortunate that we've always had a, a strong tradition of content moderation, content safety. Also, because we're a 3D immersive environment, a lot of the things people are rightfully worried about in society, like a deep fake, are kind of like yeah. a feature, not a bug in Roblox. Like the whole point is you're an avatar right, yeah. and you're not being yourself. <laughs> and that avatar may or may not be super realistic, but however you want to design it. So that's kind of all okay. An area we do think a lot about is how are models built and what is the um, origin of the data that is being used? We really believe strongly in like respecting the IP of our creators. And so we look very long and hard at any model we're using. Where was the model's data sourced from? Hmm. What does that look like? When we use data from our platform, particularly for anything that's going to be creative, uh, we are very careful to make sure it's always opt-in in that regard. Yeah. Things like moderation models are a little different. They're you're training to detect bad content. Generally, people aren't going to opt in their data as bad examples of something. Um, but again, we're not using that to create or generate work when we do that. So um, anything that's generative, we absolutely focus on kind of the um, lineage of, yeah. of that from. data. And we consider that, take that very, very seriously. I think it's an area where it's sometimes it's very difficult to even know, like a great open source model appears on Hugging Face and like Maybe you know, maybe you don't know. You know, it can sometimes be clear, sometimes it's not. So you have to be very careful with that. And it can mean you have to take a step back sometimes and think before you move forward. Well, last question, completely unrelated to Roblox and technology, maybe, is, um, so I know Dan's a bit of a barbecue aficionado, so I'm always interested in sort of what's the latest thing. So hardware and software, I guess. Uh, what are you using right now? What are you most excited about in the world of barbecue? Yeah. So um, do we have another hour? Yes. Right. You know, so <laughs> that'll be the uh, outtakes. Yeah. That's right. Um, I've kept my hardware really simple. Yeah. And I'd say the only thing I've really added in the past few years is now that my wife and I are empty nesters. Um, I've actually also brought in just a simple Weber kettle. And I do a lot of smoking oh, on that shit. one. It's just okay. for the two of us. I don't need to fire up a big smoker when I'm just cooking for two. Yeah. Right. Um, otherwise, like kind of from a software recipe point of view, <laughs> I've both what I've kind of decided, like on the meat itself, I've gotten simpler. I do much more just salt and pepper, maybe salt and pepper and paprika, depending on what I'm doing. Keep it really, really nice. simple. And then where I've gotten more exploratory is on sauces. Oh, I've just started okay. making my own sauces. And I found, wow, you can put things in there that just really, that no store-bought sauce is going to have that mix of flavors you want, whether it's I like a little bit of bourbon in a lot of my sauces, nice. but not too much. <laughs> um, and I've, I found uh, an ingredient that I think makes a sauce great. Like we have a really good fish sauce in the house, you know, like oh, uh, yeah, like yeah. Southeast Asia, right? Yeah. And that really adds, um, it's like an umami hint to the sauce. I think is fantastic. So ability to, ability to control all that, I think is a lot of fun. Nice. And keep the meat simple. Yeah. I love it. Well, Dan, thanks again. It's been great having you here and uh, My pleasure. just sort of yeah, reminiscing on some of the old stuff. So excited to come full circle here and uh, just get the update and hear how you're thinking about the hottest topic today, AI. So thank you, Dan. Thanks for having me again. Tune in to the next episode of Spotlight on AI to catch insights from Mike Murchison, Ada's co-founder and CEO, and Ben Fletcher, partner at Excel. Where businesses need to learn what it means to run a, a, their, their company when AI models are at their core and not human beings.